He's sick. Charlie Brooker is sick. You're not a big fan of the horror, are you, Damo? I don't like things that are scary. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what a TikTok is. Isn't that one of those Google watches? But most importantly, every time it all ends happily ever after, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The nice thing about Black Mirror is that it's really about how technology has such a positive effect on our lives. Who we know from the MCU, don't we, Damo? Is he Captain Bulgaria or something? <laughs> <laughs> This podcast was recorded remotely and may contain adult language and themes. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, our Black Mirror special. My name is Adam Hemming. There's a strange fly buzzing around my shed as we record. Is it really a fly or is it some sort of weird technological device? Can you tell me, Damien Cooper? I mean, I struggle to convert a word file into a PDF, so I'm the last person to ask. What do you think, Izzy Dixon? I mean, I don't know what a TikTok is. So again, you're asking the wrong person. Isn't that one of those Google Watches? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) It's going to be full of this kind of joke. So we're going to be talking about a season six of Black Mirror, a five-episode series of Charlie Brooker's anthology. Well, we probably would have called it a sci-fi anthology series previously, but it feels like there have been some different directions in this this season of Black Mirror, uh, which I think is really interesting. But generally, each episode is single story, and there's usually some sort of plot twist within each episode. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Charlie Brooker said in the past that the original concept for this um, came from the Twilight Zone, which is obviously great. Several reboots of it have happened. Um, and I think this series really leans into that. I think there's a lot of like weird and wonderful spin-offs in in kind of where the stories go. But most importantly, every time it all ends happily ever after, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The nice thing about Black Mirror is that it's really about how technology has such a positive effect on our lives. <laughs> now, Izzy, we've been playing uh, who would be the fictive versions of ourselves on previous Watchlist episodes. Um, so Joan is Awful, episode one of, of this season of Black Mirror, features a person's life being retold by various different famous people. Uh, Grace has uh, said that Hannah Waddingham and uh, I can't, her name always escapes me, CJ Craig in the West Wing. Alison Janney. Alison Janney. I don't know why I, I always get stuck on that name. Uh, and Grace said that mine would be Kenneth Branagh at all levels. Although I, I'd like to think my, my fictive level one might be someone like Ray Mears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then level three might be Ewan McGregor. And then, Damo, we discussed uh, Christian Slater for you, didn't we? Yeah, we went James Corden, Christian Slater, Paul Bettany. Love that. Um, I I was talking to Grace about this based on the Watchlist episode because I really enjoyed the chat. And, yeah, I agree with Ewan McGregor, Adam. I said that. And I think Grace had another one. I think she didn't suggest it, but I was like, obviously, Adam Maxwell Martin, who we said before, is like Grace's doppelganger. <laughs> Well, who would it be for you? So for me, I have thought about this. Level one would be Amy Adams. Level two would be Sarah Snook. And level three, and this is a Grace Chapman one thrown in, would be Ron Howard. (laughs) (laughs) I probably should explain to people who are listening to the pod, I am ginger. So there is method to this madness. I was like, Emma Stone would be my number three. And Grace said Ron Howard. So I guess you have to go with that. Not Ron Howard's daughter, who also happened to be in a Black Mirror episode. Well, maybe that's a good compromise, Damo. 
it'll break Grace's heart. <laughs> Look, as long nice. as I get Sarah Snook on level two, I'm fine with it. Yeah, Sarah Snook's a great shout. Yeah, brilliant. Very, very good. Um, let's talk about Joan is Awful then. So this is uh, set in a world where the Netflix replacement is a streamer called Streamberry, isn't it? I was going to say yeah. Strawberry, then no, Streamberry. And effectively we meet... Gosh, names escape me. Annie Murphy's Annie Murphy from Shit's Creek. Annie Murphy from Shit's Creek is play is is Joan, or we're led to believe is is Joan, and her life begins being played out on a TV show called Joan is Awful. The cast in this was delightful. I love Annie Murphy. I'm a huge fan of Shit's Creek. I think she's hilarious. I don't know if anyone saw Kevin Can Fuck Himself, which was the kind of sitcom drama she did. Really, really interesting. Like yeah sort of meta tv um but then you've obviously got Salma Hayek you've got Rob Delaney who I love just so many good people I just thought this was so so well cast yeah so she's watching Salma Hayek playing her and then I did I loved all the sort of different levels of this so you had Avi Nash as the boyfriend and then it became Himesh Patel in the tv version uh Lonnie Adafopi as the as the lawyer who then became Rumi Masaku you know they, they were just really really lovely different takes on each character yeah I think this out of the whole series I think this in episode three Beyond the Sea felt the most traditionally Black Mirror for me and I do feel like with every Black Mirror series Probably not the Channel 4 ones, but definitely the kind of later Netflix ones. There's usually one episode that's not not kind of outwardly horrible. It's unlike the rest. It's got like a little glimmer of hope. And either it's a really, you know, interesting love story like Hang the DJ or San Junipero, which I still think is my all-time favourite episode. Or it's got kind of a humour to it that sort of wins out in the end. And I really felt that with this one. I thought it was a really good one to kick off the series. I've said previously on the watch list that I... Obviously, Black Mirror is way up there in some of the best TV going. I think that this season has real peaks and troughs for me, but Joan is Awful is definitely one of the peaks. I think it's a really fun episode. And I just love the way in which the layers come in and then how everything then loops back. It's just, I think it's just a really well plotted uh, episode. And I also think we do have to give a special shout out to Salma Hayek in that yellow jumpsuit, because that is something special. I mean, she was just absolutely hilarious in this. Salma Hayek, I thought, was superb. Yeah, of, of all the people in this, in this episode, I think she was definitely my favourite. Just hilarious. I read some really good, I've read quite a few um, sort of behind the scenes articles about this series, which make really fascinating reading. Maybe I'll send you guys some links, you can put them in the comments um, or the, the kind of episode notes. But BuzzFeed did an interview with Charlie Brooker and he did some behind the scenes stuff. And they said they were really nervous about asking her to do it, given the church scene. And her only note was like, no, make it, make it worse, like lean into it. She really was just like, nope, go for it. I'll do whatever, which I think is great. Yeah, I you you can't you literally can't go wrong with a bit of public explosive diarrhea in a church. <laughs> well, in real life, you can go very wrong. <laughs> yes. On TV, agreed. There was another little casting Easter egg in here. Uh, the receptionist at Streamberry was played by Tessa Wong, who also appears in The Capture, which is obviously a show about uh, deepfake technology. Love that. This whole season of Black Mirror but particularly this episode has loads and loads of Easter eggs in as well. So I don't know if people spotted those, but there were a ton. Um, I think, again, BuzzFeed did a roundup of all of them. 
but we saw Lock Henry on StreamBreeze kind of streaming platform and Sea of Tranquility, which gets mentioned in episodes this season and in previous seasons. I think a couple of other bits. I think Smithereens, the social media platform, uh, they kind of ex-boyfriend are scrolling on it. Um, there's, there's loads of them. Yeah, well, I mean, just we might as well do it now because I might forget by the time we get to it. At the end of Lock Henry, we get a comment about San Junipero or, or however it's pronounced. Uh, and also we see the one from my most shitted me up episode. One of those metallic dogs uh, is in one of the little multi flashes between the different news stories. Yeah, apparently if you look at the ticker tape in the news stories, all of the ticker tape, uh, like breaking news stories, are previous Black Mirror episodes. So that's really interesting. So yeah, there's, there's ones, I feel like there's there's lots of uh, bits of the series I'm going to go and re-watch because it feels like they've really, really like planted in loads of Easter eggs from series one, like all the way up to the present and kind of, you know, put them in there for the fans to find. So that's really fun. I really like the fact they've done that. Yeah, I, th- there was a reference to the Prime Minister from the very first episode of Black Mirror opening a zoo. Um, which I thought was quite funny. I came to Black Mirror really, really late in that I think I I watched it all once season five was out already. So I sort of binged through five whole seasons of it um, at once. So I've got really hazy memory about individual episodes of it. But yeah, I do plan on going back at some point and watching, watching them all again. Obviously, the twist in Joan is Awful is that Annie Murphy's character wasn't the source Joan. There was an, a, a Joan below Annie Murphy's character. So everything that she was doing had already been played out by somebody else, which I thought was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I thought that was a great reveal. And actually, the bit where she's about to break the computer, and she's like, well, it doesn't matter. It, it depends what the real Joan did. Yeah. Should we move on then, Demo? I just want to shout out someone else who's in the episode. We were talking before we were recording about the bear. Well, Ayo Edibiri also stars in that uh, as Sandy. She does, and she's so great. And I remember thinking when she came on screen, um, I was really excited because I, obviously, as we've just been talking about pre-episode and love the bear, and I'm very excited for it to come back. So yeah, just diamond casting all around, which is great. She is also in an episode of Abbott Elementary that I watched recently. It's funny how these actors just pop up every now and then in multiple shows that I'm watching. Maybe I watch too much TV. <laughs> no. Blame for that. He doesn't need the podcast for that excuse. <laughs> Let's talk about Lock Henry then. So episode two, Lock Henry. You were less of a fan of this one, Damo, am I right? Yeah. This, for me, is the weakest episode of this series, I have to say. I didn't enjoy it as much. It's a great cast. Look, I absolutely love uh, the Dominus, a.k.a. John Hanna, uh, and will watch him in anything. And I think Daniel Portman's also great. I just feel like... There wasn't anything particularly new happening or exciting. And then we got that final 15 minutes or so. And then, then okay, there's something there. But I just felt that it wasn't enough for me to think, oh, wow, that was that was a, you know, Black Mirror its best. It felt like it was towards the bottom end of, of the episodes. You're on mute. Sorry, my internet was going. I was having to shut stuff down. So I missed a lot of what you said there. You enjoyed John Hanna. Yes, I did. But not the episode. Not so much. I disagree. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for Lock Henry's Corner. I don't think it's the strongest one. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And it's definitely one of the ones I've been thinking about a lot since. It's got a re- it's got a really sort of um I don't know, there's there's certain black mirror episodes that I think really stick with me, and this definitely has made that list, I think. 
I think the main criticism of it, because it's had really mixed reviews, this one, is that it doesn't really have a kind of technological sort of bend to it. But I sort of feel like it does. I sort of feel like it's kind of to do with basically our obsession with true crime and how technology and particularly kind of the the ways in which we consume entertainment and the development of that are sort of skewing how we see those stories. So I thought it was really interesting, for example, those videotapes, because no one watches VHSs anymore. You know, they just had so much evidence that could have solved this case so much earlier and had just been sitting on a shelf. And then, you know, the the kind of sensationalism at the end and it when it kind of winning a BAFTA, um, I just thought it was really, really great. I guess I'm sort of saying this as a true crime fan, I do sort of recognise that the ethics of true crime are not always great they could be a bit seedy and I say to someone who will watch every documentary on Netflix very happily I love a murder show but I do sort of recognize there is a kind of sensationalist maybe slightly like desensitizing kind of way that we consume that media and yeah I thought this was a really interesting interrogation of that yeah and there's also the the kind of elements of them almost trying to stage the the documentary stuff that they're doing and then it becoming so much darker than that you know the truth of it all that they discover in in that cell is is so much darker than they had imagined it could be. Yeah, I loved it. I thought the twist that it, John Hanna wasn't the killer was really nicely done. I just I love the cast of this. I think Samuel Blenkin was just really really watchable. He was in The Witcher Blood Origin, but also Mahala Herald, who's in Industry, and Monica Dolan, uh, who I just love in everything. I think she was yeah. I thought they were all really really great. Obviously Daniel Portman and John Hanna as well, but. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was um, just, again, the sort of cinematography and the feel of the whole episode and the fact that we were going back in time, right? These were, well, it was about the past. We go back in time with some of the other episodes, don't we? Something I've been thinking about a lot because I only watched the last episode of this literally in the last day. I kind of binged through the first four and then had a bit of a break. I think there's a really interesting thing this season that it spans so much time. So you've got the you've got the kind of past, you've got the future, you've got kind of alternative futures, the near future, um, and then episodes that sort of flip between you know different time zones. We've got so reliant on Black Mirror being about like either now or a slightly alternate version of now, or the kind of far flung future. But I actually think kind of grounding it was really nice. Definitely. Should we move on then? Any more thoughts on Locke Henry? I think for me, I can really understand why this one was quite divisive. And there's been people who I've spoken to have really had Damien's view and not not really got it, thought it was a kind of weak episode, and other people who've really enjoyed it. So I do think that's really interesting. But then I think true crime is really divisive. I know lots of people who, like me, are really obsessed with watching true crime and other people who just cannot get into it at all. So I think it's kind of interesting that the episode's about that and it's had that divisiveness, I guess. Yeah, and I, I guess that's partly down to the fact that it's a Black Mirror episode, right? If it had been a standalone thing of something else, then it, it you know, it maybe wouldn't have been quite so divisive. But it, 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 it's, it was, I thought, a really well made and well told story. Yeah, I think the the other thing I'd I'd say about it is that I think it's probably, oh, I don't know, actually, it's either this or Demon Seventy Nine, a kind of what you would classify as a classic horror rather than the the kind of psychological thrillers maybe that we get in the series. Yeah, although I do think some Black Mirror episodes definitely veer into straight horror. I mean, I would say White Bear, which I think is the maybe in the first season or the second season. So it's, it's a Channel 4 one. I like, I can't watch that again. It's a genuinely one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And I've never been able to go back and watch it a second time. So, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I... 
we'll come on to Demon 79 because I have some, definitely have some thoughts about that. But I do think some of them definitely veer into more horror territory. You're not a big fan of the horror, are you, Damo? I don't like things that are scary. <laughs> Episode three, Beyond the Sea, I think is probably my, alongside Jane is Awful, probably my favourite of this this season. This is the one that sees uh, Josh Hartner and Aaron Paul as astronauts who have a sort of robotic clone or double back on Earth. And they're able to transfer their consciousness into their Earth robot for periods of time. I think they have to make sure they do exercise on the uh, satellite or whatever it is that they are, space station that they are physically on. So they have to return there to do exercise, but otherwise they live their lives within these robots with their families. I would agree with you. This was probably, this and Joan is awful for very different reasons. I felt were my sort of two highlights of the season. And I thought this episode was incredible. Um, I thought the performances were amazing. I thought, I always talk about Black Mirror being really well cast, but again, I thought this was incredibly well cast. I thought the writing was incredible. It was one of those stories where I really, I had so many thoughts about where it could go and, you know, knew it was going to end badly and had such a kind of like edge of my seat, like sinking feeling, but didn't know quite in what direction it would go. Um, I just, yeah, I thought this was beautiful and fascinating and so rooted in different elements of pop culture but such an original idea yeah for me this is the one that felt most hollywood most epic the most likely to be a blockbuster film in its own right and that's as much the casting as the cinematography as the narrative aaron paul and josh hartner are both fantastic i think throughout and aaron paul does so much in that if he's not in the conversation for awards after that i don't know what he has to do basically. Uh, I think he doesn't put a foot wrong. It's incredible. And I have to shout out Kate Mara as well. I think that's also a fantastic performance. Yeah, I was going to just say that and, and I totally echo it. So Josh Hartnett's family get gets killed by uh, Rory Culkin uh, and his his gang. Basically, the, the setup is that he ends up taking taking trips in Aaron Paul's robot body. Yeah, I thought because um, obviously this was really inspired by the Manson murders and the kind of Sharon Tate case. So it's very clearly like they're, they're sort of borrowed from real history and, and kind of slightly subverted it. And I really liked the setting as a sort of really believable 60s setting, but a slightly kind of alternative universe. I thought it worked really well. They just set the rules of that up kind of beautifully at the beginning and you just bought into it and it was great. But yeah, the, the kind of grief of that moment, that was horrifying to watch. That's like a, a bit that's really stayed with me, that and the end of the episode. And yeah, very little screen time from Rory Culkin, but genuinely one of the most frightening on-screen performances. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the fact that Kate Mara's character didn't sort of, you know, sort of leading you down the path that she's going to fall in love with Josh Hartner in her husband's body. Or yeah. Her robot body, or <laughs> so weird and twisted. But I kind of like that that didn't, didn't quite happen. There was that twist to that. That part of it was satisfying yeah I thought that was really smart because we were all waiting for that to happen and I think you know this is where Black Mirror is at its best right it, it kind of sets everything up it relies really well on genre tropes so you really think you know where the story is going to go and you think you guess the twist and you don't and it does something completely unexpected those for me are the episodes that really really work it doesn't always happen but when it when it does I think it's like some of the best tv out there yeah I I just want to add about the the scenes that were in the space shuttle or, or wherever it was, how claustrophobic they were, how monotony is clearly set in for David Ross, Josh Hartness character. But then also just all those moments where 
there's tension between Cliff and David. And Josh Harner is just a beast of a man. He's so physically imposing compared to Aaron Paul's Cliff Stansfield that I just found those scenes amazing to watch because at any moment, it could have ripped him apart. He didn't stand a chance. Yeah. And what happens at the end is it's almost like the worst thing you can imagine, right? Because they're both they're both now just stuck together indefinitely. It's like a chilling ending. I didn't see it coming at all. And it was, yeah. But Char- I think the really interesting thing about this episode is that Charlie Brooker, I was reading about it, said that he was kind of inspired by working from home and the pandemic in this, but kind of more specifically during the height of the pandemic and lockdowns, what that sort of did to human beings and, you know, our need for connection and and how loneliness can have like quite profound effects on people's personalities. And I just thought that was fascinating. It took something that could have been quite gimmicky and you could have made quite funny episodes out of it and turned it into something really, really beautiful and terrifying and very human. Yeah, that building of sort of paranoia of not knowing sort of what, you know, and Aaron Paul's up there on his own and not knowing what Josh Hartnett's character is doing was unbearable. Should we move on to Maisie Day then, episode four? Yeah. So this this is probably where I'm going to do the demo and say, for me, this is the, this for me was the weakest. Still enjoyed it. I think if it had been an episode of any other TV show, would have thought it was great. I think by Black Mirror standards, yeah, maybe it didn't quite measure up for me, which is the issue, right? All these episodes are great in their own right it's just that the standard is so high from what we've come to expect from Black Mirror yeah this was Catherine's least favourite of the five as well uh, I really enjoyed this one though I thought it was good fun it was the it was the twist I didn't see coming it was sort of very very much out of the blue the kind of reveal so Maisie Day's the name of the star isn't it that is um gets involved she's a troubled star involved in a hit and run and it's really about Zazie Beetz's paparazzo who's trying to hunt her down and get snaps of her along with Danny Ramirez's Hector yeah yeah who we know from the MCU don't we Damo yeah is he Captain Bulgaria or something (laughs) (laughs) he's a small role in Captain America and the Falcon storylines but will be I think a bigger role in future films and stuff but also Top Gun Maverick I I really love Zazie Beetz I think she's brilliant so I, I was kind of quite excited for this episode from the get-go I think yeah I thought I mean I thought some of the sort of concept stuff behind this was great I really enjoyed seeing something that was set in you know the past but the very sort of recent past and I would say a point in history which is I guess very much propelled some of the some of the more sort of technological scary technological things we have now right that kind of 2005 era you know insane kind of paparazzi like the height of paparazzi where you know so many things like gossip blogs kind of got started and the internet was really kind of fueling that like frenzy of getting into celebrities private lives I think a lot of where we are today with certain certain bits of technology that really kind of make an appearance in Black Mirror that all kind of started there so I think it was really interesting rooting a story there I thought that was actually really clever yeah I think also just that twist of the usual, we certainly see it in earlier in the episode, that feeding frenzy that the paparazzi, you know, that is synonymous with the paparazzi. And then obviously with, with the big reveal that Maisie has turned into a werewolf, that the feeding frenzy, the werewolf in turn has on the paparazzi is just really lovely, lovely storytelling. Yeah. And again, I thought the final kind of twist in this, that actually at the end, Zazie Beetz's character just takes a photo of her killing herself. It's sort of a really quite grim ending but you know again kind of comes right back to the whole point of the episode which is just sort of what should or shouldn't we be capturing and what did that period in history and that kind of 
that I guess that kind of um, breaking down of the wall of celebrities' private lives, what's that led to now, probably 20 years later? Yeah, and, and the ridiculous lengths that people went to to get these photos, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's another little, uh, well, kind of a casting Easter egg, but one of our former, sorry, I didn't recognise you with your clothes on, Jack Bandera, who's in Lockwood & Co. earlier this year, uh, another sort of fantasy show. Uh, so I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, I think, again, it's like, it's it's a tricky one, right? Because this definitely was my least favourite. But I think this could have been a standalone bit of TV or a series or something, and I probably would have really enjoyed it. So it is really interesting how just putting Black Mirror on the name of a show can slightly tweak your, I guess, expectations a bit. Yeah, I, I just wonder if I can start a petition again to put Zazie Beats in more shows. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, sign me up. Let's move on to episode five, then the Red Mirror episode. Is this the first Red Mirror episode we've had or have there been other ones? It is the first Red Mirror episode and it's a bit kind of TBC if this is a thing that Charlie Brooker is working on as a kind of side project there's a lot of speculation about it and he's been quite kind of tight-lipped about it so it's potentially the sort of doorway into a new strand that's going to be more kind of classic horror based which I think is really interesting so yeah we can sort of speculate on that and potentially look out for that in the future. This was a sort of feature-length story where Anjana Vasan's shoe shop uh, worker where it's a department store isn't it she works in the shoe department of a department store uh, finds a rune and summons uh, a demon played by Papa Siedu, and she has to kill three people, otherwise the apocalypse will happen. Yeah, this was bonkers. I really enjoyed this episode, but it was mad. I had to, I had to have the subtitles on just so I could like not miss kind of small details that were happening. And yeah, yeah, I thought this was really interesting. My main thing of this is, you know, we were talking about the scale and scope of other episodes in this series. And this just really just zooms in on a microcosm of, of British existence, kind of what, obviously, late 70s. I couldn't work out what city it was. It's, it's either Midlands or Northern. I couldn't tell. It's, I think it's meant to be a Yorkshire town. And I think I can't remember the name of the town, but they it comes up in Easter Egg View in Loch Henry. They have like the three kind of BAFTA nominated documentaries. And one's the Loch Henry documentary and one's San Junipero and one's called The Something Pedophile Ring. And it is the name of the town in Demon 79. This is pointed out as an Easter egg. Nice. Yeah, I, I struggled a bit with Paparissiedi's uh, character. <laughs> it was at times a little bit too much for me. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think so. I think my biggest criticism of this episode, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I don't by any means think it's the weakest of the series. But for me, it felt like even Maisie Day and Locke Henry, which did come under criticism for not for having, you know, the technology was such a kind of tangential theme in them and didn't really seem to be kind of part of the Black Mirror canon. It felt like to me there were links with those two. And I was like, no, no, I think you can argue that technology plays a part with this, this, and this. This one felt the most like removed from that yeah definitely I mean it was all supernatural stuff it was demons and and all sorts I think yeah <laughs> I don't I don't know what to make of Gap or Garp which is Papa Sidhu's character it's a funny one obviously he's this harbinger of the apocalypse but he's he's a bit anxious and he wants to make sure he does a good job yeah it is a mad episode and I think it feels like um Bishop Ailey and Charlie Brooke had loads of fun writing it and as a kind of, if this is the start of Red Mirror, I'm really excited for Red Mirror. I'm be well up for more of this kind of like classic horror leaning, sort of slightly retro feeling 
kind of weird stuff that's sort of quite genre defying and not like anything else but I think for me the issue with this is it just didn't feel like a Black Mirror episode and I couldn't quite understand why they hadn't made it. That's, that was Charlie Brooker's aim wasn't it? Well not necessarily his aim but something that he's he talked about the fact that he he was challenging what perceptions of what a Black Mirror episode was with this season so he's kind of broadening the scope I think which is you know I, I think he's earned the right to do that through you know the quality of the work so far um but yeah it was interesting I thought it was really interesting to see the different directions that he took each of the episodes in yeah but I think for me it still felt like the other four sort of did something different and kind of riffed on Black Mirror canon and sort of took you in an unexpected direction that had some kind of like you could sort of kind of get what he was doing and this just felt so different so I was quite confused by it but I do get I do get your point I think there's quite significant overlaps between this and Bandersnatch I no, don't know yeah. I, it, I guess that it, I felt like Bandersnatch definitely lent into that kind of classic 70s 80s horror vibe didn't it stylistically I would agree mm-hmm. but then I would say Bandersnatch was the most technological and that it was literally like kind of form defying like it sort of involved you and you had to sort of you know, almost like interact and play along with it. That was technological for us, not for the characters, right? Except I think there were a couple of like breaking the fourth wall options you could go down, but generally the characters in it were, you know, almost unaware of the technology that was going on around them. Cool. Moving on. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I still haven't watched Bandersnatch. That's something oh. I'll, I'll have to do. Um, I'd be really interested to see what you make of it. I think, I have a feeling when I watched it, which was Christmas 2019, I watched it, or maybe like Boxing Day or 27th, whenever it came out, because it came out around that time, with my dad and brother. And I remember it not working on our TV because the, you couldn't like do multiple choice. We had to literally like gather the whole family around like a little computer. I think it was my stepmom's laptop. And we were all like playing with it. And my dad at one point was just like, he's sick. Charlie Brooker is sick. It <laughs> <laughs> was just like... So fed up that we spent like two hours of the day trying different things out on this, but also really, really absorbed and wouldn't stop. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, any other thoughts then on on Black Mirror season six? Is there anything we haven't covered? I really enjoyed this season. I definitely had some mixed feelings about season five. I sort of, which was only three episodes, and I felt that it had slightly gone off the rails. And I didn't love any of the three. I thought they all had sort of high points and low points. So this series for me, it felt like it's sort of back on form, even if a couple of the episodes were a bit, maybe slight misses. I thought overall the standard was really high. Um, lots of people have disagreed with me. Lots of people really didn't love this season, which is interesting. But I think for me, this I've watched Black Mirror right from the beginning and, you know, watched the first episode of season one live as it aired. And so I've been a massive fan for years. And yeah, it felt for me that this sort of really recaptured some of the early stuff and some of the kind of big high concept stuff that's happened as they've got more budget and moved to Netflix. And they're definitely conversation starters. You know, you can't help but talk about these these shows when they're coming out. So for me, this being one of the first seasons that I've watched as it's dropped, I really enjoyed that aspect of being able to go, well, just, just the who would be your fictive level one, two and three game. Hours of fun. Yeah, that is a cracking game. The other thing I'd say is I think Maybe Charlie Brooker is starting to come to the end of his tether with this. I'm not entirely sure we're going to have many more seasons because we are getting significantly bigger gaps between each one. So I I think that we're looking... Obviously, as you said, this Red Mirror offshoot is maybe an opportunity for him to reinvigorate his interest in this. 
but I feel like we are coming towards the end of Black Mirror. I think maybe we've only got one series, two series tops left. I'd agree, actually. I don't think he'll ever put a kind of finite thing on it and be like, this is the last one, because I think technology and the way things develop will always go in such weird directions in life that artists will always want to respond to it. What I do think is really interesting is I've not gone back and done a big rewatch of all of them in a while. And I do think that as time goes on, because the first series is, I think, at least 10 years old now. I think it was 2013. I'd be so interested to kind of go back and see how our perception of those episodes has changed. Because some of the things that just seemed so bonkers back then and just like, you know, quite dystopian and now like fairly every day. Um, I do remember one of my favourite Charlie Brooker tweets ever was after David Cameron and the whole pig story, if anyone remembers that in the news. And he was like, well, didn't think this was the one that was going to come true. <laughs> Just for the completionists, the national anthem aired on Channel 4 on the 4th of December 2011. Holy shit. So we're all old now. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, it's it's only a finite amount of time. I mean, it's not like Grey's Anatomy or one of those shows that will live on forever in mediocrity. I, c- I can see Charlie pulling the plug. Yeah, I do think it's the kind of thing that he might peter out with it and then it will get kind of rebooted in 50 years with a whole you know new kind of concept behind it. Like the Twilight Zone, right? That's sort of been quite enduring and that different creators have brought their own spin to it. Yeah, I recently watched the first season of the Jordan Peterson series of The Twilight Zone and really, really enjoyed that. And I love, I'm a big fan of anthology shows generally. But I think I just think it's an incredible body of work. I, I, I feel like I read somewhere that he had ideas for season seven. Jordan Peterson? Do you mean Jordan Peele? Yes. Sorry, I knew I'd got it wrong. A horrible men's rights activist. I was about to be like, oh God, who gave him a TV show? Jordan Peele. <laughs> Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. That would be some real fucking Twilight Zone shit if Jordan Peterson somehow was doing the TV show. I don't even know who Jordan Peterson is or why I know that name. You lucky man. Oh, yeah. Let's not get into it on the podcast because I'm okay. scared fans will come after us. Not getting doxxed. Izzy, we've missed you on the watch list for the last few weeks. Have you been watching anything else lately? Um, so Black Mirror has taken up a lot of my time. I'm still kind of in the early days of Abbott Elementary, so watching the odd episode of that. I finished Colin from Accounts, which I think I might have talked about on the watch list, um, which I loved and would highly recommend. I'd say that's, that's sort of a highlight of the year for me in comedy so far. And what else have I watched? Love is Blind, finished that. Mainly so I could talk about it with Grace. I am also halfway through series two of Somebody Somewhere, which again, I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, That was highly recommended by uh, you and Grace Adam. So got through series one of that incredibly quickly because it's just a beautiful, beautiful show. Um, So thoroughly enjoyed. And then Secret Invasion, which I know we're going to chat about, is sort of my newest thing that I'm watching weekly. So mixed feelings about that, which we can discuss in the podcast tomorrow. Maybe episode two will bring me round. Yes, I'm not sure it will, but we'll, we'll have some good fun talking about it. I think the plan at the moment is to do them in two episode chunks. So we're going to talk about episodes one and two of Secret Invasion tomorrow. And so we'll have those episodes coming out. Before I get on to what else we've got coming out, Izzy, I need to know, have you finished season two of Barbecue Showdown? No, not yet. So no spoilers, please. Okay. I will I will stop talking about that immediately. I'm um, so thrilled I got you into this. You're welcome. Yeah, no, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Grant, Damo, anything else from you? Well, I've been a very good boy and got ahead of schedule for once after my absolutely appalling lack of TV watching. I've already watched the 
first two episodes of Hijack, which is our show to watch and next week's watch list. So no doubt have more to say about that and on. Yeah, me too. I've, I've got those first two episodes under my belt and really enjoying it. Izzy, I finished Upright and I'm into season two now of Parks and Rec. Um, oh, yeah. amazing. Did you watch both seasons of Upright or did you do what I did and just stick to number one? I've only watched season one, but I am really, really tempted to go back in and watch the second season. No, I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I should give it a go. But I just think season one is such a complete and perfect story. It's yeah. a beautiful bit of TV. And like, yeah, for anyone for anyone listening, um, you know, TBC or my thoughts on season two. But I genuinely think the first season of Upright is one of my favourite seasons of TV as a kind of collective whole. I just think it's stunning. Well, by the time we get this episode out, we will have released our best interests special that I recorded with Grace and my mum. Part of her career was uh, dealing with palliative care and creating lectures in lecture courses in palliative care. So the best interests BBC show starring Sharon Hawken and Michael Sheen, Grace and mum and I recorded a special on that. And that's going to be released before this one comes out. So we'll have a couple of specials coming out this week. Plus our weekly watch list episodes where we talk about different things. And next week, as Damo said, we'll be talking about Hijack. We've recently been talking about The Change and Silo and all sorts of other stuff. Great stuff coming out at the moment. If you want to let us know what you're watching, you can contact us on the social media at tvdnapod or email tvdnapod at gmail.com. Please do give us a rating and a review uh, if you can spare the time. I was going to try and think of like a funny Black Mirror-esque thing to say there. And uh, I didn't. Great story. That's the big twist. The big twist at the end of this podcast episode is that you didn't have a a Black Mirror pun to finish it off with. Oh, I didn't. Um, I guess if you're Jordan Peterson, maybe stay away from the ratings. (laughs) I don't feel like being particularly flattering, but that's fine. Thanks, Demo. (laughs) No problem. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.